four, three, two, one. You ready? Oh yeah, I'm I'm ready, baby. All right, welcome to the Bean Town Podcast. Join us this week for, we'll see, it might be a riveting conversation between the best boy Quinn David Furness hosting one of the top 500 um, Chicago podcasts. Uh, Quinn, welcome to your show. Thanks, Matt. How's it going? It's going pretty good. Not, not too bad. Can't complain. There's always things to complain about, but it's not worth it at this point, I don't mm-hmm. think. The system, thunderstorms. Pesky owls. There's That's true. Always... Pesky owls are the worst. Let me ask you this: What's uh, you know we're we're going to be talking about quarantine quite a bit uh, on for the next four hours here, but right off the bat, what's what's something this week that's really you know chapping your behind? That's really just kind of nagging you, scratching you right where you don't want to itch. Well, I would say the one thing that quite literally is chapping my behind is the. Um, the working from home type situation where I just find that I sit on my uh, proverbial behind or ass, if you want me to just speak candidly about it. And I've got, I find I don't get many steps in throughout the day. There, everything I need is really within an arm's reach um, in many cases. Uh, more so if I just spent my day on the toilet because then you don't even have to get up. Just bring a laptop there, you can work from there. Um, I think hashtag poor Jennifer found that out the hard way. Um, but yeah, so I, I would say that's the one thing that's probably uh, harder on my keister. Um, but as far as adaptability, I don't know. I, uh, there's a slight sense of cabin fever, in which case I feel uh, kind of reminiscent of uh, the shining type situation where you just get the trapped into, in, a, you know, in a building and it might drive you a little stir crazy. Um, I don't feel like I've gotten to the dull boy type situation yet, though. So there is uh, good news there. Well, if it gets to the point where it starts to feel like saw, then I think you don't don't even worry about getting to the dull boy point because that's uh, if you're if you're starting to consider chopping off your own knee or your your leg just for fun, then call somebody. You I don't think they help. ever did it for fun, did they? I, I'm going to be honest with you. I think I've only seen one of the Saw movies. Well, I, I've only really seen the first one, um, and no, it's not for fun. But it's you know that you kind of have to do it to live. So in a sense, it's like a choice. In a sense, it's kind of fun to live, depending on where you're yeah. at. Yeah. I let me let me ask you this: Have you ever considered strategically placing all the different things you need for your work environment in different rooms of the house? So I'm thinking we can have, you know, your desk chair in the bedroom, the laptop goes in the laundry room. You just completely move the toilet to the kitchen. I'm thinking the toilets and are not easy to move. Well, unless it, it, I were to do this like porta potty type situation, a little home improvement just project like never hurt anybody. Bucket. Yeah, five gallons. How much <laughs> waste are you going through? <laughs> well, you don't need all of it, but if it was one gallon, that would be significantly closer to the floor. I'm thinking like get it up a little bit so I so it's easier on my knees and my back. I'm not going to do the squatty potty type situation. Oh, I suppose. Well. Good talk. Um, 
I should uh, <laughs> I should mention that we're gonna get slammed by the FCC here because Matthew went ahead and swore live on the show before we got to state is our listener discretion. Action? Yeah, <laughs> our listener oh. discretion is advised. Tag number one. Uh, Matthew will oftentimes throw language out there before we've even had the chance to use our listener discretion as advice tag. And number two, this podcast is objectively terrible, although it's always a whole lot more fun when we're joined by a uh, friend of the podcast and Beantown podcast uh, legend and taxes and finances and um, health and nutrition uh, expert in residence, Matthew Fiedler, who is so kind to join us uh, many, many times on our podcast, but for this episode specifically for our taxes episode, our annual taxes spectacular. I know what you're thinking, Quinn, in such times of trouble and strife, how could we possibly be thinking about shell companies and the Cayman Islands and W-2s at this point in time? But listen, I don't care if Trump pushed back the tax deadline or, or what, or how, however that worked. We're going to be digging into that in a second here. You still got to do your taxes, okay? Let's let's make one thing clear. I don't, you, maybe you're, you're, you stopped paying child support. You're not going to the gym. Um, you're not recording your Scott Farrell audio book now that you're quarantined, <laughs> but you still got to pay taxes. There are some things in life that just go on and on and on. What's the, the, the saying is death, sex, and taxes. It's something like that. I, it was on I a, think it's, it's just a, the only thing certain is death and taxes. I don't right. think there, sex is really for certain, I read, specifically for some people. Read, read that on the inside of a Dove chocolate wrapper. So uh, if you're if you were wondering how my diet's going, then that's all you need to know. <laughs> um, but uh, Matthew is so generous to, to join us on the the podcast, and let's let's jump in right there. We're gonna have a lot of time. Uh, I, I promise to to chit chat about all sorts of things on on, on this uh, this episode of the Bean Town Podcast. But first thing I want to get your uh, not necessarily advice on, but just bring us all up to speed regarding. The tax filing deadline this year, what's the latest news? What's going on with that? What do we need to know about filing our taxes this year in the face of quarantine and the, the current coronavirus pandemic? Well, I think the, the, the first uh, thing would be um, there's not many benefits from this whole uh, uh, coronavirus type situation. There's just nothing good that's really coming from it. Um, except for maybe two things. Uh, one, hopefully we get a little bit more bipartisan type of cooperation with everybody and you just kind of take one positive out of kind of a crappy situation and people just kind of start respecting each other, which I think is kind of what the quarantine thing is all about, right? Respecting other people's health. And um, I might not be a carrier right now or be infected with it, but you just don't you just want to take yourself out of the equation. The second thing, which probably more so addresses your point, is what the hell is going on with our, when do we file? Well, the nice thing is you have enough time to kind of go through all your tax documentation now. Um, you can procrastinate just a little bit longer than you could in, uh, in prior years. Um, it originally was pushed back, I believe. Um, the tax deadline was pushed back for corporations. Um, and then it, it was, oh, you have to um, at least get it still filed on the, the 15th. 
um, or you could extend it. But now it seems like the new date is, um, I believe it's July 15th, if I'm remembering that correctly. Um, and this is all uh, prefaced before I say that I am in, in no way a tax expert. Um, I don't even do taxes for a living. I am an auditor. So uh, my tax knowledge might be better than the average American that didn't take any finance or accounting classes, but it's not much. So, hmm. and, and is it still, <clears throat> so the, the kind of general thinking is do your taxes as early as possible, get that money, you can put it in the bank, invest it, whatever you want to do with it. Does that well, still yeah. hold true? Should you still, if you're able to do your taxes right now, listen to this episode, should you go ahead and do them? Or is there any advantage to maybe utilizing that, that July 15th deadline and doing it a little bit closer to that date? Um, so the, I'm going to say, I think I said this last year too, and anybody who talks to me about taxes, I will tell them the same thing. Um, you don't want to get money back at the end of the year. Um, cause essentially what that is, a, a tax return, um, is essentially the government saying, Hey, we had this money in it. You didn't really owe it to us. You overpaid. So we'll give it back to you. Um, which is fine. But when you think about it, there's so many things that you could be doing with that amount of money too, right? You could have, um, supported your local podcasts mm. or two, um, you could have invested, right? And I know it's not super enticing when the, the interest rates are really low, but one thing that I would encourage uh, more Americans to do is take, uh, kind of take, a, I don't want to say take advantage of the situation because that sounds very cold and heartless, but um, the markets have really drawn back uh, as of recent, which makes sense, right? Our productivity is quite low. Everyone's kind of inside. There's a lot of unemployment happening. So not a whole lot of productivity across the board. However, um, it's a great time to invest. One thing that you could invest in that I have, um, and like I take it with a grain of salt. I'm no master, uh, investor, but the S and P is like at an all time low, right? So even if you were to throw a few hundred dollars or whatever you got in your tax return into that and just let it ride for a year and it came back, um, at normal levels, you'd, you'd make, you know, just multiples of what you put in there. Um, and that's considering if, if the markets get back to where they were before, before this, uh, decline hit. So I, it's kind of a, an interesting situation where if you have money that's not invested, there's kind of, and you, you don't need it right away. Um, it might be kind of, uh, I don't know, enticing to put it in there and, and watch it kind of grow. We're, we're absolutely going to hit this topic of investing in the, the market and the, the bears and the bulls and the, you know, the cubs and the white Sox markets and all that stuff. But I want to go back to an interesting point you raised. You mentioned the word heartless and that's a, a single off of 808s and heartbreak. One of my uh, favorite Kanye West albums. Yes, a lot of, true. lot of people didn't like it. It's very different. Um, that was my favorite uh, Kanye album. Going to be honest with okay, you. Okay. Well that you just answered my question because our next big question was what's your favorite kanye west album and why uh robocop is a pretty solid mm, track um mm. uh there's all of it really it's been a long time since i've listened to that but it's it's uh i'm gonna be honest with you i've never really got the kanye thing um 
he's just kind of not my style. Um, but uh, that album was pretty pretty solid all the way around, even if you're not a huge Kanye fan. Oh, and you I mentioned think. my style, which I think was you know a black eyes p uh, a black eyes p <laughs> <laughs> hit from like. <laughs> It's a different band <laughs> from like 2003, but you remember in in uh, in what was it 2008 or something when they came the black eye the black eyes peed dropped <laughs> <laughs> dropped Twice that huge so album. Hold on, hold on, let's rewind. Say it one more time. The listeners can rewind on their own. They've had two black chances. Eyed peas. <laughs> no, this is a new new band. New, with new um, okay yeah well but do you remember that album i think it was 2008 they had where it just like took over the whole radio world and like that's kind of what had the the boom boom pow well yeah it had, single, it had right? boom boom pow it had i got a feeling it yep. had um i'm a b and oh, yep. meet me halfway like you could you go on the what? radio you hear all four of those songs it was crazy that's how big true. that album was it, you want to know out of those? Uh, would you were there four singles that you named off? Yeah. Um, out of those four, I would say "Meet Me Halfway" was actually probably one of the most like decent songs out of those, but it was probably the least popular. I think you're right. I don't remember um, enough about the song itself to to really uh, speak yeah. to the the quality of it. But um, yeah, I I know. Um, so I remember hearing. I think it was when. Uh, they kind of started releasing those singles, but um, I think the story that at least the one that I remember is that Will I Am um, was in Australia and uh, kind of hovered around some of the nightclubs there and noticed that the way that they their music's a, a little bit different than the way they do it here. It's very you know it's still beat centric, which ours is you know you have to have that driving you know. Uh, bass or uh, and or drum but that's he pretty much produced all this stuff over there in australia when he was over there kind of just immersing himself in the nightlife mm. and listening to their their musical influences but i don't know australia seems like a pretty awesome place just kind of sydney in general kind of embraces uh artists and musicians as a whole well, and I'm glad you brought up Australia because this was a question I was going to have for you in a, a, about two hours here. But I'm going to – it's not even a question. It's a statement. I'm going to give you one shot, one shot only, to say any sentence or phrase you would like in an Australian accent. And uh, you get one crack at it, okay? Okay. So well, I, I think I, there's low-hanging fruit here. All right. Go for it. Uh, good eye, mate. Dingo babies, alligators. That's my uh, impression of Kevin from The Office. That's a direct quote. (laughs) It's a direct quote. It's my impression of Kevin trying to do an impression of an Australian. So it's kind of uh, very meta. (sighs) What a letdown. (laughs) I was hoping you were going to throw some like outback commercials or something in there. I can't do it. I can't do any. I'm going to be honest with you. I used to think I could do uh, like a, a British accent at one point, mm. um, a la Scott Farrell. Oh but I, man, I we're gonna talk about that in a second. <laughs> but I can't. I like. I don't even know mentally. I can't even wrap my head around like what to do anymore. Mm. Not like I ever was good at it, but I just can't do it now for sure. It's okay. It might be time to 
ditch the British and, and work on your, like, Seath African accent or something. Or Dutch. Or just, or just English. I or think English. I have a hard enough time with that, yeah. The you know the the Dutch accent is one that I've always struggled to figure out because I just feel like it's not as like exaggerated in any one particular way as you know Italian or Spanish or British or Dutch yeah. is just like I don't know it's kind of kind of weird. Well, the word is on the street that if you if you ain't Dutch you ain't much. Oh, is that what so, they say? Yeah, that's what they say. Wow, in Dutch. That's a new one for me. Well, let's uh, let, let's let's get back to some of the the money talks here. My one of my favorite ACDC singles. Um, yeah. And uh, let's let's ask you about Amazon here because a, a popular thing for someone like Bernie Sanders to 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 say in their speeches when they're talking about the one percent and all that that good stuff is how Amazon doesn't pay taxes. So for the oh listeners out there, if you could just give us a quick rundown of why that is, what it means, and how we can be like Amazon so that we're not paying taxes. <laughs> well, uh, I don't know. I think I might come at this from a little bit of a, an uneducated. I mean, like, take it with a grain of salt. I'm sure there's a lot of people that are not going to like my response to this. Um, I, I think I've probably maybe on your podcast in the past um, and the white noise podcast have been quoted saying that I don't one, if it's a party thing, I really, I'm not a fan of either party. I kind of, I lean a little bit right when it comes to fiscal policy, but left when it comes to actually being like a humanitarian or like, and that there's a lot of conflict there. Right. Cause um, I think Democrats overall kind of, um, lean towards like helping out the lower class, middle class, you know, kind of fending for their rights, which I appreciate. But um, there's a point where it hits fiscal policy and it just some of it just doesn't quite make sense to me. Um, and that's kind of maybe a more of a personal thing than anything else. But uh, when you look at Amazon or any big corporations, I get I understand there's like a um, an actual wealth that's just untapped right um and there's there's cuts for a multitude of things um in many cases you have your your people that are um uh, the lobbyists you know what i mean that end up getting favorable deals from certain you know bills and 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 tax uh legislation but i i guess from a broad scale or like just higher up like thirty thousand feet looking down yeah they're not paying quote unquote their fair share the hard part is who determines what's fair, right? Um, if you look at Bill Gates and you look at how much he makes and how much you make, would you be able to say, hey, that's not fair. I should make as much as Bill Gates. I would argue no, because Bill Gates is Bill Gates and you're not Bill Gates, right? Because it's directly affected by, it could be a, you know sweat equity or whatever. Like he's built something that actually has uh, way more value than anything that I've built to date or probably ever. Um, so there's that factor, right? Where it's like, they've had, you know, more opportunity or they've made more out of their opportunity. Um, so there's one thing. Uh, The second thing is, um, and unfortunately this is the case, not every American will get the same opportunity to make something of themselves. Um, the way that Bill Gates has, or, you know, 
they could be brilliant, but if they're stuck in a very uh, uh, unfortunate economic situation, they might not get those opportunities. That's the part that sucks. That's the part that's, you know, it really makes you feel for those people. And it would be nice if they got free education. And I think that's what a lot of uh, the Democratic push, and I think Bernie's push too, and correct me if I'm wrong, Quinn, is making one healthcare free or at least affordable for everyone, and two, um, erasing student debt. Um, I it's hard for me to speak on all of that because I came from a very um, I would consider it a, a privileged upbringing, right? I still I paid for my school, um, but that being said, I you know it wasn't like I was hurting for money either, so. I mean, I say that loosely. School is not cheap, but you know, you can make it work. Where someone who doesn't have the same situation as me, it would be harder for them to to make that you know that work. So, but I think the the thing that I always come back to is you have to invest in yourself. If I take out a loan, um, it's kind of investment in yourself. So if you think you're worth it, it's worth taking out that investment, right? Um, and granted, there's cases where it's just, I get it. That sounds pretty heartless. Um, shout out to Kanye. Um, but there's so many things, right? There, there's the side that's like that. There's the fiscal side that's like, it just doesn't make sense if we keep printing money and paying off people's, you know, debt or loans. And inflation's going to just kind of run rampant. And I would argue probably ruin our economy or at least send it down that path um so then you get to the big big companies right which is your main question which is the only part that you probably cared about in this uh, in this rant um but i would argue that some of those uh expenses are spent with research and development which i think is good right um amazon reinvesting in uh cloud computing um it well, essentially, it help, helps out the government, which is kind of nice because the government's not paying other people more money and increasing our taxes to pay for that. So giving them a tax break ultimately helps us out a little bit, I would argue. Um, but there's some things that they, they get away with, but they're big enough to where they're helping employ a lot of Americans. And you'd hope that they're, I mean, even if, you know, Jeff Bezos is lining his pockets with money. He's not just sitting on the money either. Um, there's a lot of that that goes to, like I said, research and development or space exploration. There's stuff that they do that is beneficial to the uh, American economy as a whole. The hard part is, one, justifying that for the normal American person. And sometimes, like, it's, it's hard for us to, like, okay, great. Space exploration is cool, but like, what about people that are homeless or you know hungry? So there's not really a hard and fast rule. I'm not saying it's good. I'm not saying it's bad. It's just kind of it is what it is. And I don't know at what point we have the right to say, "Hey, Jeff, that money should be mine and not yours." You know what I mean? The the what's fair, quote unquote fair. That's the that's the hard part to kind of uh, pinpoint or nail down. I would say. I'm glad you got us to this topic of money because my next question is directly about 
money. And my question is as follows, and I'm now going to ask you my question. If okay, you, if we got rid, so there's been a lot of talk in this country about getting rid of Andrew Jackson, taking him off the $20 bill and replacing it with, uh, with, with someone else. So let me, let me pose the, the question to you. If you were going to take Andrew Jackson off the $20 bill and you had to replace it with a former Chicago Bears starting quarterback, who would you pick? Well, I probably wouldn't. Uh, I probably wouldn't pick anybody. <laughs> I would just say, put a picture of an eagle and let it let it fly. I'd um, appreciate it if you <laughs> respected the question. <laughs> Do I have to pick a quarterback? Mm, absolutely. Oh. Um. Just because I think it would be humorous, I think Jay Cutler. That would be. Uh, I would. I would like that a little bit. Although that's probably the it's worth more than his face the the currency so I don't know. It's true. That's true. You ever cons- he, who's uh, he dating? Isn't he dating someone who's actually or married to someone who's? Well, they have famous? they have he's they have on some sort of reality show. I don't yeah. know what it is though. I don't get cable. Which is his, he pretty much treated like his his time on the Bears as a reality show. Maybe it's like Kelly Ripa or something. He's not. No, it's not Kelly Ripa. Maybe like a younger version of Kelly Ripa. I, so I'll I'll answer that question by asking you this: Who, just in general, not uh, we won't isolate isolate this to the the Bears. Um, who would you put on the uh, on the currency? Uh, definitely McMahon. Go okay. back to the '85 Bears. Guy was a badass. He just sit yeah. there on the sideline smoking and got his sunglasses and the Super Bowl shuffle. Man, that was, that was good stuff. I, um, I, uh, I don't want to break my fiduciary uh, responsibility here, but I, one of our clients actually babysat uh, McMahon back in California. Your clients? When, How old is uh, your client? Like 90? I cannot, I cannot disclose. Well. But uh, older, yeah. But I think he even was invited to his wedding. Damn. So yeah. Here's a here's which a, is pretty cool. Here here's a fun one. I am willing to disclose because you know we already broke FCC regulations on this show, so I'm just going all the way. We uh, my cousin got married in Chicago uh, last May, and his uh, like reception. Not not rehearsal dinner, but there was like a, a get a family get together the night before, and it was hosted by a one Jim Miller, uh, which is the name of the Chicago Bears quarterback from I don't know okay. probably like two thousand two to two thousand five or something like that. Um, and uh, we were all really excited going into it because you know Chicago apartment Jim Miller, not a common name, right? There can't be more than one or two Jim Millers, you know, in, in the north side of Chicago. Um, right. But unfortunately, it was not uh, oh, famed so it was, Chicago it was Bears second, quarterback. It was the second. It Jim was Miller. the second Jim Miller, which Damn I think it. could be the the title of like an Oscar-winning documentary or something. Oh, but, that'd be pretty good. Um, we're gonna we're gonna have lots and lots of time to get to uh, documentaries here because I've got some questions for you about that. Um, but but one more question that I want to ask you before uh, we we get to not a break here but to read some ads. Um, 
shell companies. Lots of talk about shell companies, especially if we're bringing up Mitt Romney. Um, do you have to be an Go fan to get involved? If not, what are your options? Um, I don't think you have to be uh, a fan of Go. It probably helps. Um, there's a throwback to, to Enron, um, to those, those good old days uh, when shell companies were... I'm not going to say they're up and coming, but they were definitely at their peak of uh, shadiness. Um, but yeah, shell companies are basically companies that don't necessarily exist on, um, well, they exist on paper, but not uh, physically. Just kind of like your money now. It's just ones and zeros in a computer um, with no tangible assets. So yeah, exciting stuff, but uh, maybe if you're the caviar-loving escargot person, you might find a little bit more appreciation for them. I'm thinking you could get a, an all... Um uh, at at what's the what's your job title? <laughs> Damn, <laughs> audit. Not, and all, hold on, do you not know what I do? <laughs> an audit. I was trying to come up with it. Um, you get an all audit team members, whatever you refer yourself as, like Target or something, uh, banned and call yourself the tangible assets. I think tangible uh, assets. There's oh, some potential even, there, dude. You don't even know. I I'll, I'm gonna give you a little. You guys an inside scoop. Um, Accountants are not funny. Uh, don't tell any of my coworkers I said this, but uh, we're just not really that funny. I, the longer that you work with numbers or in finance, not any you know shame to those of you who are, but as time goes on, you find yourself laughing at things that are just more and more um, separated from reality. Um, the way that certain numbers are make you laugh, like, oh, that's funny, they did this, and it's not right. Or, you know, like, things like that. And uh, that just makes you further understand, like, oh, wow, I'm really getting deeper in this hole of, like, being nerdy and geeky. But um, at trainings, which you have to go to every year, uh, you have to get so many credits in for, like, um, trainings over. It's not necessarily new regulations, although there's some of that in there, too. Tax people probably have to go through a lot more of that than I do. Um, but it's basically training for your level, right? So if you want to learn about like certain debt modification stuff or uh, things relating to like group audits, so multiple com uh, companies, you'll you'll take courses. But normally they'll have like quizzes, tests, and it's like table by table, and you have to come up with a table name because they try to keep it fun. And it's normally like uh, LIFO, um, which uh, again, a lot of your listeners might not care about, but um, it's a way of, uh, it's basically a, a type of um, inventory relief. So life of the party would be one team name or asset kickers will be another name. Um, it's really crappy. Uh, we come up with really, you know, terrible team names and we think that they're funny, but they're really not. Mm. So I, I think people have taken your, uh, your suggestion. I'm sure somebody's used it at one point. Well, all, all I'm saying is if Blagojevich can have a prison band, then you can have a auditor band. Yeah, that's probably true. I tell you what, how his his hair got so white. I don't remember it ever like in that mid mid phase. Well, you know, they talk about how you become president and it, you know, it ages you like crazy, but they never talk about going to prison and how much that ages you. It's uh you got, it's the real I, deal. I think that'd be really uh, stressful, yeah. I would oh, just I, go bald, probably. Yikes. No one wants to see that. 
It's very true. Have One, you seen these uh, these bald checks or hair checks that have been going around? Uh, you talking about the $1,200 check that they're sending to everyone or <laughs> no. something different? Uh, so this is kind of – I'm not a – I don't keep up with TikTok at all. I think it's kind of uh, – it's a damn shame uh, that kids these days are into it. Uh, that right there also tells you that I'm just – an old nerdy person at, at heart. But um, one of the things that's been going around, I think, is called a hair check, which basically you take your hand, uh, put it over your forehead, and like keep going back until you can see your hair to see like what you'd look like bald. And you start realizing how f- far back your hair actually recesses. like Because your bangs really cover up quite a bit of your forehead. And then when you pull it back, you realize how bad you'd look bald. I would look really shitty. I'm going to be honest with you. My my head is not shaped for baldness. It's very pointy. I've heard that top. sentiment before um out of out of your mouth. I think yeah. I think you could rock it. Just Meanwhile, uh, I feel like uh and I I only say this because recently you've posted videos of you in various stages of undressed um and with like a hairband kind of pulling your hair back a bit. Your head is round enough that I think you look okay bald actually. A little bit of facial hair, bald on top. Oh, I mean, I've been, I've, I've been through that look been bald, many yeah. times. I mean, starting all the way back in, you know, high school swimming, we'd shave oh, our this heads. This is actually very true. I um, think I have a. I remember. I think there's a picture of you and you and Jack, pretty much right after you guys, you know, shaved your whole bodies and just completely bald. Well, and, and that's that's uh, you know kind of the an easy one to remember but there you know lots of lots and lots of times in the past you know seven or eight years here where i guess you wouldn't consider it bald but i've 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 cut my hair without any sort of you know uh trimming cover that's not what it's called but uh you just take take the straight uh straight trimmer to it so Oh boy. It's 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 a look I haven't gone with in a couple of probably like 2 years at this point, but um no, it's certainly uh there are tons and tons of pictures out there. They exist. They're not that hard to find. So yeah. I I think uh w- will you join with me uh until the end of quarantine? I'm just I'm not going to cut my hair. I I Oh, I'm way ahead of you. Okay. I literally. I have um right like maybe the week before it started, I got a haircut and I have shaved off all facial hair. And I've decided that I'm going to carry it on throughout the full length of uh, of the quote unquote quarantine. It's like you're see you're playing happens. for the Stanley Cup. Yeah. Well, I, I I tell you what, I I think I last shaved or not shaved, but trimmed the the sides and the back of my head probably sometime in February. Um, but I I've been letting the top grow for many many months now um and it's it's gotten to the point where it's it's not quite all the way there yet but for the most part i can you know bring it back into a you don't call it a bun but just like tie it up um up up top i I can pull that off um but the one other thing i'll mention before i let you take it back um i am shaving the back of my neck just because then you just look like a werewolf and i hate it and i'm also yeah. trimming my neck beard pretty consistently like once every four or five days or so um okay. because that's just not worth it to me like 
it gets so ne- nobody likes neck beard. Nobody, nobody likes it. It gets very scratchy. It also, if you're listening, you've never really had a neck beard before, but it will get like caught in your shirt oh, and stuff, yeah, and it's very, yeah. very painful. Like and you just have to move out your head real quick to just uh, like, it's, get it loose. It's very uncomfortable um so yes with those parameters i i'm with you a hundred percent of the way and i I haven't shaved or or touched anything other than my neck beard uh in the past two weeks okay uh one thing i was gonna ask now you normally have keep a pretty well-kept head of hair who does your hair Oh, I'm glad you mentioned it because we're just about ready to read some ads here. Do you uh, like that segue? It's all me. It's all cuts by Q. Yeah, and uh, if you ever if you're ever in the market for a post quarantine haircut, then uh, <laughs> uh, I I got an extension cord that's almost long enough to get out to to Brockton. I tell you what, that it's like ten Damn. feet or something. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah it's it's good. I, I'll jump rope with it. Sometimes double, now, do you double do, Dutch. Do you do uh, facial hair as well, or do you just do head hair? Oh, I I might. It's kind of turning into a little bit of like Sweeney Todd right there, but uh, oh. maybe well, the not the hard pass. <laughs> I've never seen it. Don't don't tell me how it ends. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's read some ads here, and uh, we'll give Matthew a chance to to take a break, and you know. Sip on some SLS cutting orange juice or something if he's got it. Oh, I, um, I wish. Whiskey and Coke, man. I'd encourage you. Oh, we'll talk about that, too. I encourage you to um, stick around for the second half because we're going to be talking about um, something related to uh, Central Christian, which is in turn related to SLS coating orange juice. Um, oh, man. We're going to be talking about Scott Farrell a little bit uh, in the second half of today's program. Uh, We'll be talking about uh, Matthew's quarantine habits, including uh, whiskey, Coke, and and sort of how they compare to mine, how they're different, how they're similar, um, all the stuff going on there. And and maybe we'll have a a, a bonus uh, taxes or or finances-related question or two. Um, But I'll give Matthew a quick break. I'm going to read some ads here. I'll keep it pretty short, I promise. And... um, yeah, Matthew, if, hey, if you want to sing the Cuts by Q jingle with us at the end, just, you know, help yourself. Jump, jump on in would, if, if you I want. I would love it. I would love it. All right. I'll meet you there in about 90 seconds here. Uh, Home Pride, Oregon. Are you tired of selling your house for less than a quarter of what it's worth, all because you couldn't find a reliable home inspector in time? Well, Oregon listeners, there's good news. Home Pride Inspection Services in Bend, Oregon is Central Oregon's hottest new home inspection provider with inspection services, including things like heating and cooling, roofing, plumbing, and so much more. Uh, what happened to my ad here? Oh, <laughs> I got it. Home Pride Oregon is both contractor certified and home inspection certified, so you know you're getting the good stuff. If you're tired of big real estate wrangle, hold on the home inspection market, and you want a safe, certified home inspector that you can trust, you got to call Steve at 541-410-0316, or you could visit homeprideoregon.com. Again, that's 541-410-0316, or visit homeprideoregon.com. Home Pride Oregon, inspection perfection. Shout out to the Samson Q2U series. It's got crisp, clean audio quality. It can handle all the hits, whether you're reading from Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, or Deuteronomy, anything in the Pentateuch, which is relevant to uh, the Beantown podcast because that was our uh, number one horse name of 2019. 
uh, last year in our top 10 countdown. Uh, we will, uh, in case you're wondering, we will certainly have a top 10 horse names podcast for 2020. Now everything's up in the air because of Corona and the Derby has been, I think just like postponed indefinitely. Uh, although I haven't seen the, the latest press release on it. And I assume same goes for, uh, Preakness and Belmont. Um, we will have that special for you. I know people look forward to it every year. Um, I don't know when it's going to be yet, uh, but I, I promise that is forthcoming. But the uh, Samson Q2U series, just remember when God speaks, he uses a Samson. And our last ad read here, Cuts by Q. Bob and Weave, we all know the hairstyle and we all love it, but how many Chicago-based independent barbers can actually give it to you the way you deserve? Enter Cuts. <laughs> Every time, man. Enter Cuts by Q. It's like Enter Sandman, just a little different. Cuts by Q has been independently owned and operated since 1995 and is probably one of the better barbershop operations serving Chicago, Cook County, the greater Chicagoland area, including Northwest Indiana. From beehives to bangs, faux hawks to flat tops and everything in between, you got to call Cuts by Q at 815-298-7200 or... You can email cutsbyq at yahoo.com. Again, that's cut. By Q. Excuse me. Um, cuts Q-U-T-Z by Q. I misread the ad here. It's my first time <laughs> reading it. Give me a break. Um, by Q at yahoo.com. All right. If you're ready to sing with me, I'm going to start on this pitch. Me, 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 me. Oh, and you need a fresh do. Something snappy and new. Just call the experts at Cuts by Q. I didn't really hang out with you towards the end. I just that was worse than the Bean Town concert <laughs> series. Oh man, throwback! That's one of those episodes I refuse to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe if maybe I if you gave me some uh, song selections, like well, maybe six months in advance. You had all day to learn them. Yeah, I'm a I'm a slow learner. So the the primary reason I don't listen to either the concert series or I really don't listen much to the episode we did immediately following that, which that episode has some good comedy in it, but it just reminds me of how miserable I was that whole yeah, that's experience because I was coming down with a real bad cold and it was just, it wasn't fun. So it that's, wasn't that's why I avoided it. By, uh, we also mixed some whiskey and coffee and the, the proportions were not great. It was um, pretty bad. Doesn't, it was pretty bad. And then it got cold, but we still drank it. So Not good. Um, it, it reminded me, uh, I, this isn't something I think about very often, but um, when I was a freshman in college, you know, back in these days, you went to college, you had in-person classes. It's a it's yeah. different different than what you'll find today. Um, Stone age. But I came home, I think, for, for holiday break, Christmas break, which if you go to DePaul is about six weeks long. Um, and my first year, my first year only of college, I, I, I went back to my parents' house, um, in Cherry Valley. Uh, I think their last year living there and was just there for six weeks. I wasn't working. I don't really remember what I did all day, but I was just there. And, um, my, I had noticed in one of the kitchen cabinets that my parents had this, um, 
bottle of vodka and I don't recall <laughs> the brand, but it was like a classic brand that we used to very cheap that we used to buy all the time uh, in college. It had lots and lots of like fun flavors. Um, it's I, man. I don't remember what the brand is, but start with an S. I don't know, man. If start I, with a K. it's not skull. Um, <laughs> if I, or Svetka, whatever it is, Skoll is something different, I think. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, they, for example, my, my friend, John Paul, who was just on the podcast a couple months ago, I don't remember how recently, um, John Paul Pandowski. you got that right. He, uh, in, in one of his college apartments always had this, this bottle of, uh, marshmallow flavored vodka, which is wow. real bad. Um, but to, to actually get to the point of the story, my parents had a bottle of vodka that was cinnamon roll flavored vodka, wow. which like if you're going for cinnamon roll flavored liquor, I would think you'd want to try a whiskey, bourbon, you know, scotch, something like that. Certainly not yeah, like a fireball type situation. Yeah, not a uh, not a vodka. So I remember just like seeing it in the, the kitchen cabinet and I, I hadn't started drinking it. In fact, I don't know if I'd like ever had any alcohol in my life up to that point. Um, and so I was just like, Hey mom and dad, like what's, what's this? You guys drinking like cinnamon roll vodka now? Because my parents, not only did they not really drink, um, when I was growing up, but they certainly never had liquor. It was either the occasional beer, but mostly wine. So I was just feeling very surprised that this was there. Uh, so I was like, hey, what's going on? I, I saw it was mostly empty, and they are like, this is the most disgusting thing of all time. If you <laughs> want it, maybe put some in, like, hot chocolate or something. Um, now that I think back on it, I don't know, like, if they thought it was so disgusting why there was only – I mean, there's literally, like, a shot left in this, oh, this wow. big bottle. So I don't really know what they were doing. But um, so I, you know, f- was feeling – experimental and I was home and I think it was just me and my parents. So I made myself some hot chocolate, poured the rest of the cinnamon roll vodka in there and went down to the basement to, you know, play America's army or something like that. And, um, yeah, it was really bad. Uh, very reminiscent of what you just described, um, having in your basement, something about like coffee or hot chocolate, cocktails in the basement it's just yeah. it's a bad it, there's, there's, bad there's idea there's a good way to do it right there there's a i've had drinks where it's you know you know the irish coffee type situation and it's good but sometimes it's just not good and those times are not good at all it's just not worth finishing your drink yep yep i agree um well, we're going to we're going to pick it up right there. Welcome to the second half of today's Bean Town podcast and we're joined by taxes specialist in all things uh finances, etc. Uh Matthew Fiedler who is uh so graciously joining us and one of our top supporters year in and year out. Um we're going to we're going to have this the second half is really going to be a hodgepodge of of questions and we do have one finances related question i promise but we've got a, a number of other things that i want to get matthew's insight on starting with quarantine and you mentioned you're sipping on or were sipping on a whiskey coke um as listeners of this podcast maybe know i i haven't uh had a drink yet this year i also haven't had a pizza but i haven't had a drink yet this year and um i i haven't found that kind of routine to be challenged um under quarantine it really hasn't been a 
a consideration for me, despite the fact that I have whiskey in my apartment, I have gin in my apartment, I have wine in my apartment. Um, but, but Matt, I want to throw this over to you. You can talk about alcohol if you want, but just kind of more in general, how, how have your habits been eating, drinking, exercising, whatever under quarantine? How, how are things going for you? Well, I'm going to answer with the, probably a, kind of a depressing answer. Um, so I apologize in advance. I, nothing's really changed all that much. Um, my typical day involves me kind of getting up, uh, getting ready, and then going to a client, um, and then coming back at like 6 o'clock, um, and then working until probably like 11.30 or 12, and then going to bed and then doing it again. Um, as far as like meals go, that's probably changed the most. Uh, typically, I don't have a breakfast or a lunch. I'll just have like a big dinner. Um, but during quarantine, I've developed the, uh, the urge to snack, which I think will probably contribute to my Corona 15 or 20 <laughs> uh, pound gain. Um, that has yet to be seen, but I am gaining all the weight in my midsection in the belly region. Mm. So it's not going straight to my ass, but I will look kind of strange in my work shirts, uh, when the time comes. So that has changed. One thing that I, I feel like I do work more though. Um, it's a lot easier to just, um, typically, you know, your day is kind of broken up by like driving to the client, driving back home. And now it's pretty much, those are great times to book in, you know, additional hours. Um, but that being said, it's, it's easier to get distracted at home too. Um, but for the most part, you put in headphones and just keep, keep working. Um, well, so that's pretty much been my life for the, I would say at least during like busy season times, which is like January through April. So what have you been snacking on? Um, shout out to, uh, to my girlfriend and, uh, my girlfriend's, uh, mom. I, today I was, uh, snacking on some spicy, um, handcrafted, uh, Indian popcorn, Ooh. which is just, it's phenomenal. I, I'll have to see if I can snag you a bag, but it's, it's really good. Um, there's a bunch of different seasonings in it. Um, and I think there's this like flat bread type thing called papad. I don't know if that's accurate or if I'm butchering it. I know I probably am, but it's really good. Um, it's a little spicy. I've developed a knack for spicy snacks. Spicy Cheetos also is, uh, is good, but it's only good later in the day when you don't have to type. Otherwise your fingers <laughs> just, it's not a good mixture of eating and working, you know? I, I feel you there. Do you, is it spicy enough to the point where you're, you're, you're needing to blow your nose or does it not quite reach that level? Well, keep in mind that I am a very pale white male. And so, yes, I guess that's kind of my, the short answer is yes, I will blow my nose. Um, the popcorn isn't too bad. Like it's not like, Oh, I need water type spicy. But also I remember thinking that when I started like eating spicy food. So I think you can build up a tolerance to where it's not really that bad. I see. I see. Very good. Well, well popcorn, I, I think in the grand scheme of all the things you could be uh, snacking on, it, it's actually not, not that bad. Um, another, you know, thing that, if you're going to snack, it's it's not the worst thing in the world to snack 
a ton on this, although you don't want to overdo it, is nuts. And I only bring that up uh, for a segue into our next conversation uh, in which I say, speaking of nuts, Scott Farrell. Um, so that, that brings us to Scott Farrell, if, if you followed what I did there. Uh, it's a classic, you know, age-old interview trick. So Scott Farrell's book... Scott Farrow's biography, or Triumph, Tears, and Tales of the Stage, written by Scott Farrell. Uh, I don't really have any questions here, so feel free to, to jump in whenever you want, Matt. But I, um, I, I just wanted to provide an update, both for you and for all the listeners. So um, we mentioned at the, the outset of this year uh, what was going on with this project, that we were doing an audiobook. And I'm going to be honest, without this quarantine there's a good chance that 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 I wasn't going to get through this whole thing in 2020 because it's really a pain in the ass. Um, it's really poorly it's a written. Everywhere, I feel like it's pain in uh, the eyes, the it's, ears. It's fun for for no one, um, but I'm doing it regardless, out of not spite, but just a separate reason altogether. Um, this quarantine has been the best thing. That could have happened to me in terms of finishing this project. I, I'm looking at it right now. Now, I can't tell you straight up how many pages I have left because, as no you, you may recall, after <laughs> page 148, the page numbers disappear. They're just gone. We didn't have the budget for them. Um, so, but I'm I looking think, at. I think Scott was banking on the fact that you get so engrossed in his story mm, that you sure. just kind of forget the need for page numbers. It's a read it all in one maybe, night kind of book. Maybe it was an artistic take on basically time in it of itself, right? Over uh, the I years, don't know about that. Just... <laughs> well, I feel like this book is dragging on for years. Uh, speaking candidly, I'm looking at it right now. I would reckon I'm probably between 75 to 80% of the way through it. Um, but now, it's, should you mention to the listeners? So Quinn and I kind of made a pact, um, early on, we kind of joked about buying it. Uh, we found it on Google books. I actually, Quinn was the one that found it and said, Hey, I mentioned in this book, or we were trying to figure out if he was, but it cut off. Like, you know how Google books doesn't show you everything. It's just like a few select pages. Hmm. So we kind of joked about buying it, and then Quinn just one day texted me and said, hey, I'm buying this for you, um, to which I responded, fine, and I'll buy it for you too. So we each have a copy, but Quinn, by all means, but when you're done with it, feel free, you can burn it or uh, destroy it and um, uh, just for fun. I, I'm okay with that. I wouldn't be offended. Well, that's very kind of you to say. Um, it's it's really been an interesting experience, and I I will have a full you know when when we get to the show after I finish this audiobook. Not only will I you know talk about it in depth, but I also um, have already I, I've been keeping track in my phone um, using my notes app a lot of things that I want to say in my actual critical review which i'll write and publish um but but the book has been interesting uh there are a number of people uh in this book uh myself included but there are a number of other people who are not not all close friends of mine but people i know um that he mentions and he talks about so it's interesting to kind of see what his interactions with them were people like uh 
Jared, my childhood best friend, or um, Jan, who is the music director at, at Central Christian Church that oh, Matthew yeah. and I both attended, um, or uh, a man named John Reese, who I worked at Kmart with, which is also the name of the son in Terminator, I believe, and then uh, a guy named Jim Brecklin, who's the, the bassist for the Rockford Symphony Orchestra. So he has interactions with all of these people that um, that I, I know, slash, for the most part, used to know. Um, so that, that part of it has been interesting. One other thing I, I want to say, and I have actually been debating whether or not I wanted to, to say this or not, but I think I'm going to, um, but I'm not going to provide any, any leads or tips because I just, it's for your own good. So if, if, if you haven't read the book yet, which maybe you have, definitely you haven't, um, <laughs> Scott, Scott's career sort of is based in, uh, opera productions and i don't really know where he gets his money um still after reading 80 percent of the book I'm, I'm unclear on those details but uh scott also um begins to dabble towards the end of this book in uh porn uh homosexual porn and camming Wait, like creating it creating porn um, oh, wow! I guess this is new for you. Um, yeah, this is. I didn't make it. I didn't make it that far. <laughs> wow! I, spoilers. I'm gonna do Jeez. my best. I'm gonna try to say what I want to say and keep it um, SFW here. But um, so Scott is into porn towards the end of the book, creating porn. He cams um, from his house, uses his grandmother's computer. Um, if you're intrigued, just wait till you read the, the critical review that I'm publishing. Oh, but the really interesting thing is that Scott is currently the music director at a Methodist church in Cherry Valley, my hometown, um, where he works on Sundays, presumably. And the rest of the time, he is a porn actor. And I have had the unfortunate, and this was just me digging way too deep into the research, but I have unfortunately stumbled upon his Twitter, um, which is not under the name Scott Farrell. Um, if you, if you go looking for, so wait, how did you find it? Um, really deep, dark depths of the internet and incognito browser searches. And, I mentioned I, I didn't want to like leave tracer tidbits because you don't want to go on See. this journey that I went on. I, I promise. No. Um, and for anyone listening out there, I promise you don't want to go on this, this journey that I did in the name of Quinn, curiosity Quinn and research. The path for all of us. He, he went there so we didn't have to. Yes. Two, two things that I've learned and that's, that's all, all the rest or that. That's all I'll say about it for now, because I think you, you have a good sense of what I've been through um, in the past two weeks. <laughs> well, um, I don't thank God. But, yeah. yeah. Two things. One, um, I had no idea because I've never tried to use Twitter for this and, and never want to. I had no idea. There are no restrictions of any kind um, of posting just straight up pornographic content on Twitter. Um, oh, really? Like I assumed there there were because I, I think Facebook has stuff against that, but Twitter absolutely not. Um, there are you know now there are there are things surrounding it where it's like okay you can't you can't do this or you can't do that, but just if you just want to straight up post you and another man engaging in 
sex, then yeah, no one cares. Um, So that gives you a little taste of some of the things I discovered on his Twitter page. Um, The other thing, and this is not as exciting for people listening, it's just uh, kind of makes me feel extremely icky. Um, But... I I live very close to a couple of different um, sort of gay, important gay culture th- places in Chicago. One is the Leather Archives and Museums, which is a block and a half from me. Uh, another couple places, a block to two blocks away from me, one is um, Jackhammer Bar, and the other is the Touche Bar, which are right next to each other. Um, and the only reason I kind of set the scene for this is I found one of Scott's videos and in the lead up to all of the the fun action like any great low budget pornographic film there's a little bit of acting going on and lo and behold the shot of scott meeting this other man on the street is literally taken a block west of my apartment on the street and um if that's not the ickiest thing you've ever heard, um, then I, I don't know what you've been listening to, but uh, it Man, made me so feel. Basically, your uh, your neck of the woods is great, a great location for um, evidently low budget movies. It's just um, yeah, it's so so. I, I would encourage you to not, and this is why I was debating whether or not I wanted to bring it up because I wasn't sure if it actually brought value um, to, to this show. But I would encourage you to not go uh, hunting, go searching for anything related to this conversation because you're only going to find uh, pain and, and despair. Um, and I have gone through all of this already, and I, I would encourage you to just stay away stick to the audiobook which is very much NSFW in its own right um and for reasons you'll you'll learn when i when i get to my review um but stick are to you, that are you doing okay everything's everything's fine um you just got to know when to walk away when to when to stop you hunting you know when to hold them yeah rest in peace um yeah. so that's a very long-winded kind of dive into that, and, and hopefully it's the last time I'll ever uh, get into that. But, um, yeah, I, I think I've, all I've your seen a couple things. I are probably now raising a very large, like, F you, Quinn, because now we know that there's things that we shouldn't be looking at, um, but we wouldn't have known that unless you said something. Well, look, it's, so one, now I, <laughs> I, it's one thing to be curious and not know what's behind the the curtain it's another thing to be semi-curious <laughs> but hopefully not too curious and know exactly what's behind the curtain oh, and man. still say so oh I yeah i, I want to see question. that I, yep and yep. i i get it not everyone uh people approach christianity or uh, i guess if he's methodist they approach religion different you know um and I'm not going to be one to to judge or anything, but like I guess my question is, that's quite a deviation from I guess your typical. Was it is he like a worship leader? Uh, yeah, he's the uh, according to the Cherry Valley UMC website, he is a music director. Yeah, I, I would think that that's probably not. They wouldn't be a big fan of that. But I mean, then again, I guess they probably don't know, and he keeps those two portions of his life very separate. 
Well, this is something I've thought about a little bit too. And the way I would feel, um, I think if I was, you know, a member of that congregation is I wouldn't take any offense in any way if Scott was simply a member of the congregation, because I think that should be open to, to anyone. Um, right. Where I, he's leading people. Where I take I it an issue is that he's leading people. He's a paid employee um, of the church. In a way, they're directly supporting this other lifestyle of his. Because based off of the footage I saw in my deep, dark internet search, I can't imagine that he's making much money off of this other uh, venture. So that's really where it kind of bugs me a little bit more. Um, and unfortunately I had a, I had another thought that I wanted to share, but it, it has since escaped my mind. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's a, um, I, I don't know. It's really interesting what you can, if you, I don't think this is on, um, his, his YouTube page, but it was bringing it back to the music, which is all where this all, began and, and was all started my my only actual relationship with him was because of music um there is a clip of him singing the national anthem at a certain event slash contest that he attended um and watching it just uh reminds reminds me of just how bad of a musician he like legitimately and actually is um, oh, really? and you know, you, you, you probably, no one listening knows this, but he went, he tried to go to NIU for music. He failed out. Um, he doesn't have a college, he doesn't have a bachelor's degree. Um, he's really not a good singer and a very below average piano player, which just makes it all the more astounding that he was able to sustain running this admittedly very low quality opera company, but for like 10 years he was running yeah. productions and shows. And it's just well, is amazing. It, is it a type of situation where, uh, I mean, like I think I can acknowledge, it's not like I'm a great uh, singer or musician, but some people are better at uh, critiquing um, than they are at doing. You know what I mean? Um is he that type of person where he is actually pretty good at like, oh, this should be done this way or this way or like arranging or things like that? Or is is uh, the lack, I guess, of talent kind of throughout his musical? I think career? it comes down to this. I think as far as Rockford, Illinois goes, his ability to critique and say, oh, this doesn't sound right or we need more of this is probably just fine. I okay. think I am rightfully my perspective is skewed because I one went to music school, but two, right. a lot of my friends are actual musicians. We live right. in, in a in a city like Chicago that has I, I don't want to I don't know how to say this without offending rural or suburban people, well, but like, I mean, like legitimate I'm, talent. I live in Rockton. Right. So um, hit me with it. I, we don't have too much for musical opportunities. I, I'm we just don't, like go out and see live shows and things like that. 
I'm just saying, I'm not not trying to say Chicago is better than Rockford, but if you took Scott's talents and abilities and he tried to operate in Chicago, it would just be like, yeah. this is well, a joke, I, which it I guess is. That's, but. that's the thing about uh, bigger cities and why they end up being like, uh, we're better than you for the smaller ones. It's not that they're better, it's that there's so many people to choose from that the people with talent very quickly become noticeable and everybody else just kind of gets separated from the pack, I feel like. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing to be like an average singer or an average composer, but I legitimately feel, and I know my my perspective on this is skewed and biased in all the, the worst possible ways, but I legitimately feel as a musician or as a former musician that Scott is just really bad at this stuff um so yeah i I, it's not like it doesn't make sense or he doesn't have training he didn't go to school um he 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 grew up and came through the east high school music department um which if you know anything about district 215 schools is like probably about as bad as you're gonna find uh for a city rockford size uh in the entire country so um yeah it's uh it's um i don't know i it's gonna be bittersweet finishing the audiobook it's gonna be very sweet the fact that it's actually over it's gonna be a little bit bitter because it's actually taken up so much of my quarantine um time and how close are you to being done i got about 20% 20% of the book left, which comes out to about a hundred pages or so. Um, oh, man. so yeah, we're, we're, we're getting into the home stretch here. Um, and I don't, I don't want to spend too much more time talking about it. you have any, any other thoughts on that before we transition to our penultimate topic? None, not really. All right. Uh, yeah, none. Well, I wanted to hit you with, uh, one last, so we got, I got two more questions for you. I want to hit you with one last, uh, finances related question. It's actually real. It's actually legitimate. And I, I, this probably should have been what we led off with. Cause I think it might be the most important question I have for you. But, um, you've talked about, you know, the S and P is super down. If you throw some money in now, you're going to see a great rate of return. If we return to, uh, where were we at, where we were at next year. Um, this idea of, throwing in money is something I think about a lot because I actually have a decent amount of money to invest right now if I want to. But, and I'm not trying to, I don't think that I know what's best. I'm not trying to be like game master knowing exactly when to throw money in. But I feel pretty confident that the markets are going to continue to get a little bit worse um, before we really see them rebound. So my, my question to you is, it, should, should should you feel like oh yeah right now like even if it goes down a little bit yeah i'm gonna just throw my money in now because it, it will work its way back up or should we continue to to hold firm and, and wait a little bit longer at least so i'll i'll tell you what i do and then i'll i'll tell you what you probably should do um which unfortunately are probably two different <laughs> they're two different approaches um i use uh robin hood which uh, I guess for probably, I would say a good chunk of your listeners has probably seen some type of advertising for it or something like that. But the basis is it's a zero uh, fee commission app. So basically, and it's very simple uh, to use. 
Um, basically, their their push was to make it easy for just the average person with a smartphone to to uh, trade um, in the stock market. Um, there's a there's so many different ways you could approach this, right? I I'm, I don't um, have a whole lot of like uh, market models and uh, analyze like support lines or stress lines. I don't. Um, it's just more so just kind of gut feeling and watching the market. The problem is if I were to stand back and look at the market, um, we, we came off a pretty good stretch there for like the last maybe two, three days. Um, granted when this comes out, it'll, it'll maybe, you know, a few days will have lapsed, but I would say, um, like the 20, 25th, 26th were pretty solid days today. There was a little bit of a, uh, retraction or depression in the market. Um, that being said, like things are still pretty cheap. Um, one of the stocks that I I looked at is SPXL, which is um, the bull for the S and P. Um, and so, in essence, whatever the S and P on average does, it does three times that. So if it if it does if it goes down or decreases. Uh, 10 points, obviously it, this stock goes down 30 points. Um, so that can really kill you if it's going down, right? But if it's going up, it's it's awesome because you're getting three times the return. That being said, um, you can get kind of crafty with stop losses, um, which is where you set um, basically... You can do this, and I think Fidelity has them as well if you use Fidelity as your, your broker because they have zero commission trades as well. But the way that works in Robinhood, at least, is you can set up a price that you want to sell at. So let's say I bought it um, I bought it at $18 a share, and it went up to 25 and it's going up, and I wanted to lock in some of those gains, right, because I, I don't think it's going to stay at 25 Um I think it's going to drop like a rock. I would probably set a stop loss at like 24 or 24.50. So when it hits that point, it sells. And then I can buy back in after it goes lower. And that's kind of what I do in practice um, or I have done. Now, I would probably not advise doing that, especially if, if you don't actively watch the market or check it every day. Because um, you can, it's an easy way to get burned too. It could drop below that price and sell and then immediately jump back up, right? So you've lost all your shares and you've lost that last drive upwards. So it's you're trying to time the market when it's just you can't really do that. Um, that being said, my so my stocks, um, I'll just kind of bring a personal example. Um, that happened to me where I had like 400 shares of, of this stock and uh it sold off and it immediately went back up like a dollar or two. And now I'm not investing all of that money back into it. I'm slowly like every day I buy like 10 shares or 15 shares and slowly get it back because my thought is it could go up, it could go down. Ultimately, I think in the next month or two, we haven't seen the, the last of the economic effect of um, the virus or people uh, being out of work, right? So I think that we're probably in for a little bit of a, a rougher stretch of it. Um, so what you can do in anticipation of that is just buy a little bit each day. 
So on average, your trending or your cost basis will be going down. And it basically splits the difference between you and trying to just wait and time the market and buy it when it goes, when it, you know, bottoms out. Um, and essentially just kind of blends that trend curve and your, your cost basis will ultimately still be pretty low um, on average, but that's probably the one way that I would suggest doing it. Wow. Very wise words. And I don't even have anything I want to add or follow up with because we got into territory where I just have no idea what's going on. So that's oh, well, why you we and me, have... You and me both, man. You and me both. Well, that's great that you, you said that after all that <laughs> inspiring advice. Um, we're, we're joined uh, by, by tax expert uh, and resident uh, in-house genius, uh, Matt T. Fiedler. And we've got one last question for him and one that I've been holding off on for a long time. I've been looking forward to asking him about it. Um, for Oh, man. Uh, about, I know what this is going to be. I don't think you do. I think I do. Wait, I don't... I Wait, because it's very, very random and has nothing to do with money. So I really... Oh, yeah. Yep. No, I think I know what it is. <laughs> All right. It, I feel like you're going to say... Oh, yeah, that was it, no matter what I say, just because you're no, back into a corner I'll say it first. Okay, what do you think it's going to be? I think Quinn's going to say, where the hell is the camera that you said you were going to send? No, 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 no. It's absolutely not that at all. It's a much more like lighthearted thing. I, I had considered asking about the camera. I didn't want to. Uh, I we, called it out. We've got I, enough troubles going on right now. We'll table that for later, maybe next year. Here's what I really want to ask you about. What the hell is going on with this Tiger King thing? Help us oh, make I don't even some know. sense of it. Dude, What's happening? I don't even... I'll tell you something. So my head is pretty much in the sand when it comes down, like to January, April. Like I really don't know what's going on in the world. Um, the only reason why I know that there was a virus is because we were told to stay and work from home. Um, as far as like what's happening in the news or things like that, I'm gonna be honest. It's very hard to keep track when you just kind of uh, you just work. It I don't know. It doesn't. Um, when I'm not, when it like during the summer, when it's a little bit slower and you're just putting in like 40, 45 hours uh, a week ish, you can live a normal life. You, you know, you can get on Facebook, Snapchat, all that stuff. Whereas now it's like, it just kind of doesn't happen. I don't know what the hell this tiger thing guy thing is. My sister sent me a picture. Apparently what was he in jail or something? I he don't know. Some weird hair. I don't. Oh, he's understand. got very weird hair. Um, but he has like a show. Well, he's a. I watched the first episode today, and frankly, I don't. I after watching the first episode, I'm not because there's seven. I'm not like, oh, I gotta watch this now. Um, I'm only going to watch it because everyone is talking about it, and I just want to feel is part just of something. Like, have we run out of things to watch during the quote unquote I, quarantine? Uh, stuff, this or it's. I don't. I don't know. Maybe it gets more wild after one episode but basically this guy um and what i was watching today was like all footage from 2015 so it's way behind the times but essentially he he owns a private zoo um and he's got yeah really crazy hair he's down in oklahoma and he's not maybe not currently but like in 2019 which is the other like year they were showing on this first episode he is in prison um they don't really share 
exactly what he's in there for, what happened, um, or whether or not he's out currently. But he had a, a TV show that wasn't even a TV show, just like an online thing that he would broadcast to whomever wanted to watch it. Um, so in in a way, he has a TV show, but he's not really like a TV star by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I, I don't know. I'm only wow. going to do it because it's literally... I've had multiple people text me about it, and I really well, don't he, know what to okay. say. I I quickly kind of uh, looked it up here. One, the hair, just mm, yep. kudos, man, for for doing that. Um, the Tiger King, Joe Exotic, uh, yep, Maldonado, Maldonado. They just something? call him Joe Exotic. Joe Exotic, um, the star of the new hit Netflix series has filed jailhouse lawsuit against the feds and is asking President Trump to pardon his conviction for orchestrating a murder-for-hire plot on a rival and violating the Endangered Species Act. Wow. Hmm. $94 million uh, fine from the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. It's a pretty hefty fine. Yeah, that is pretty... Wow. We'll see if he's as lucky as Blagojevich. The polygamist issued a call for a pardon from Trump. Wow. Wow. I don't think he quite has the same political capital that that Blayo does, so it might be tougher. The other issue is I feel like the people who would actually, like, appreciate this guy being pardoned are already in all the red states. So I'm not really sure whether or not Trump would actually do it. But we'll see. I'm made of questions. It's um I I know people and like radio hosts and stuff that just like sat down and spent seven hours and watched it and I don't man I don't have the uh, the attention span for that but I, I'll I'll probably get through it in the next it three has or four days hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes that's uh well I'll I'll tell you this and I I can't really explain it right now I'd have to think about it for a little bit but Rotten Tomatoes like their score meter is it's way out of whack it's very I don't understand like it. not represent it's not like a hundred percent of people thought it was great or like 79 percent of people thought it was great it's like 79 percent of people gave it a favorable review which is like a black and white thing or something so yeah i i've been like I, it was like a trivia night or something where i got burned on like this sort of definition that goes into Rotten Tomatoes. Um, but it's weird. I, I don't remember exactly how it works. So I don't, I don't really use Rotten Tomatoes at all for anything. I just read actual qualitative reviews because I think the numbers are just kind of silly. But um, yeah. my, last, my, my last question, I guess, before we wrap it up here, because we're almost 90 minutes in, uh, you've been, I know you haven't seen The Tiger King, but have you been watching any movies or TV shows or anything uh, because of quarantine or, or not really? I have not. I, uh, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, this has been a good time to catch up on work, um, and that's pretty much all I've really been doing. It's what about sad, but... What about uh, Jack's Pizza? Surprisingly, you'd think that this would be the time when the, the ramen... And the Jack's Pizza are uh, plentiful, and that would have been the first thing I should have grabbed at the store. Um, but I have not had a Jack's Pizza in about two months, and Whoa. the same is true for ramen. Yeah. What? What have you been eating? Really turning a leaf. 
sandwiches, uh, some mac and cheese I got. Um, grilled cheese is always good. Some pasta. Um, Sounds like more adult, carbs adult. and cheese. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. It's the new diet. So, so nothing is really it's the Rockton changed, diet. I guess, is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. It's like a little bit less grease and sodium. You're but. you're almost behind the cheddar curtain, which is appropriate considering you live about a mile from Wisconsin. But That's um, true, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I'll give you the floor for any final parting thoughts you might want to share with our our gold uh member listeners who made it to minute 85 of this podcast so so take yeah, it away with anything you, you want to say um i would say that you should have some kind of hidden caveat here so if someone listened to it and made it this long they should um i don't know give a shout out or hashtag something so it sticks out that they actually made it this far hey, that way you, you kind of have a secret it, club of uh listeners it's all you man if you got if you got a good idea for that right now here in the moment then uh please please speak up uh i don't know maybe hashtag free lion king what is his name tiger king <laughs> free lion tiger king, king. <laughs> joe exotic i don't know whatever okay. his face okay is. free hash- uh, use the hashtag free tiger king if you made it to minute 85 of the beantown podcast yeah i'll do that um other than that, not not really. Stay safe, wash your hands. Uh, one thing that I will say, it's a damn shame that we had to learn this way that most Americans aren't washing their hands. That scares the crap out of me. I don't know. Why do people not wash their hands? Why now are you going to get Purell? You should be this clean all the time. That's mm. what I'm saying. Mm. But that's it. That's kind of all I have to say. Last thing, because it just popped up in my head, and it's something that I have thought about, and I don't feel like I know my own answer. The guy who bought up whatever it was, like 18,000 bottles of Purell, and then marked them way up and sold them back, do, is, do, you, do you have an issue with that, or you say, free reign, it's, it's good to go? See, that's kind of that's hard. Mm, um, tell me about the- it. The capitalist market side would be like, yeah, that's how it goes. Supply and demand. Um, same is true. I, there was a uh, there's a video somewhere that was sh- uh, shared like soon after the whole like toilet paper craze became a thing, right? Um, and it was a girl going to the store saying, "You bought up all your all these diapers, and now I can't put a diaper on my child all because of your." Um, middle-class privilege i understand like i i get that at the same time you can't stop people from buying it buying things right if they have the money they can buy it they have the ability to you can't it's just one of those things where what are you going to pick and choose what people are allowed to buy at that point it's not really a free market in many cases we don't have a free market system in the u.s anyway we we kind of do but there's some things that kind of mitigate that. At the end of the day, I would say supply and demand is a double-edged sword, but it ends up ultimately working even though some people suffer. The plus side is you don't need Purell to wash your hands. You can wash your hands any number of ways. That just happens to be the most convenient. So in many cases, it's it's for a price, right? Purell is cheap and it's very quick, easy way to wash your hands. That's why people go and gravitate towards it. Soap, you can still buy soap. You can still buy 
any other, you know, um, antiseptic or uh, cleaning products. So I, I don't know. I'm probably not as harsh on that guy as I should be. I would just say if you're pissed off and you don't want to do it, don't buy it. I, a lot of people forget that. And I would say just to extend this rant just a little bit further, a lot of people complain with how much like um, athletes make and like, oh, firemen don't make this much, but athletes do. You vote for people, you fund them through where your attention goes. So if you still watch sports, you're part of the reason why they get paid as much as they get paid. You know what I mean? They make that much for a reason. It's because of American people as a whole. So if you're disappointed in that, you should take a look in the mirror. That's what I would say. Mm, like a Michael Jackson song. Yeah. If if you if firemen need to make more and I think that they I mean, hey, they risk their lives and I don't I don't in any capacity engage in as dangerous behavior as they do. Um, maybe we should make a TV show about it. I don't know. Matthew's putting out financial fires. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that. Fan of the flames over here, man. Well, there's a, there's a great, uh, to, to, to finish us off here, um, in the vein of hand sanitizer, there's a, 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 a memorable moment in Scott Farrell's biography or Triumph, Tears, and Tales of the Stage by Scott Farrell, page numbers not included, in which he gets kicked out of, according to him, Rockford's only gay bar, which I struggle to believe, but according to Scott, Rockford's only gay bar, and when he's getting kicked out, he whips out his hand sanitizer from his bag and symbolically wipes his hands clean Mm. of the bar as he's being forcefully escorted out, and it really just ties this whole podcast episode together very well, I I think. Uh, Yeah, I guess so. Mm -hmm. Well, that is all we have for you today. Uh, Reminder, use the hashtag free Tiger King if you made it this far in our show. Thank you uh, to Matt Fiedler for for jumping on our podcast for uh, the third straight year for our taxes special. We tried to keep it out of the weeds this year. We weren't asking about five, four, nine, eights and W-2s and, you know, boxers or briefs. We, we kept it a little bit higher level. So, uh, Matt, thank, thanks for joining us today. Always a pleasure, Quinn, always. Mm. And uh, that's, that's what we got for you. So uh, thanks for tuning in. And, uh, again, we'll be back with you next week, likely, actually, definitely still under quarantine. So if you're going crazy, I got about 120 other Beantown podcast episodes you can listen to. So just let me know if you're feeling bored. Uh, any questions, comments, concerns, or Nigerian princes, email us at beantownpodcast at yahoo.com. Again, that's beantown, B-E-A-N-T, and podcast at yahoo.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're on Twitter at beantowncast, and you can follow uh, myself on Instagram at q.queendy. You can also follow Matt Fiedler on Instagram at... uh, I don't know. Are you giving me space there to speak? <laughs> yeah, or, or Twitter just, or whatever social just, you want to plug. Uh, Matthew underscore Fiedler underscore. All right. And the best part, if you follow 
Matthew on Instagram, his Twitter automatically sends out a tweet that says, hey, whatever, or Twitter, I don't know. Hey, whatever. Thanks for following me. And I always yeah. I always like those those automated messages. You, you want to know something? I haven't. I uh, I logged into Twitter uh, last week. I think I shared something of yours on Twitter. I saw that. I appreciated uh, that. That is maybe the only the tenth thing that I've ever actually posted on Twitter. The rest of it's just automated. I don't know why, but it's like linked to my YouTube, so it like shares whenever. That's I what it is. Something. Yeah, it's your YouTube. And yeah, yeah, and then it uh, shares whenever someone follows me. Mm. And then they think that I've actually said it, so they're like, "Yeah, no problem." <laughs> dot, dot, dot. That's <laughs> why hey, it's not me. That's why you're so popular on Twitter. <laughs> the fans can't oh. get enough. Okay, that's actually what we got, and uh, I'm gonna gonna end it now. So thanks, Matt, and uh, he'll be back before too long. And uh, that's what we had for you. So thanks for tuning in, and uh, stay safe, stay sane, and we'll check in on you next week. <laughs> <laughs>